Okay, I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it. It could be rhetorical, but just think about the answer. Who do you trust? I really wish that was planned. I mean, that's perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Thank you for that. See, for those of you at home, you just missed something really funny. Sorry. I'll just start with who do you trust? Think about it in your mind. Who do you, who do you, who do you trust? Whenever you think of, a, of the answer to that, what picture comes into your mind? Picture of a person, company, whatever. I don't know. So I did some research, and I'll just start this way. I, I found some of the people in our, in our American culture and history who, are, who, who people trust, who are who people have identified as being very trustworthy. Okay, so I'll just start. Who do you think one of the most trustworthy political figures in America has been? Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, what else? Okay, we don't want to get into that. I don't want to start arguing. Let's just start here. So George Washington comes to mind. That's one of the very first people that... I mean, that's the reason we have a presidency and not a king is because this man was trustworthy enough to say, I can't handle it and no one can. Okay, okay. When it comes to news reporters, who do you think has been the most trusted news reporter journalist in American history? Man, y'all are good. That's right. Walter Cronkite. Okay, here's one. Who has been one of the most trusted um, Christian voices? No, I'm not putting my picture up there uh, as a joke. Who's one of the most trusted Christian voices in America? See, it's too easy. It's too easy. Here's one, though, that I thought was very interesting. In the last 10 years, one person in America has been named the most trusted person in America. This is one of those studies, Newsweek or something. But who do you think the most trusted person in America, they're still living, is today? If this person comes on and talks, people trust this person. Who do you think that would be? Uh, there's a lot of answers. Believe it or not, Tom Hanks. Isn't that interesting? I mean, this is an older study. It could have changed. I don't know if he's had any scandals, but, but it's, you know, trust is interesting. It's very interesting. We don't know these, per- these people personally, but for some reason we hear stories and we, we consider them somewhat trustworthy. Today, trust has fallen. Trust in people and in major institutions are dwindling. So look at this graphic. Uh, This is a Gallup poll, and this was something that was done more recently, but this is Americans' confidence in institutions. And look at what it was in June of 21 compared to June of 23. So so small business is one of those uh, institutions that still has a lot of trust. But if you look down... At the church or organized religion, you've got, you know, 32%. It was 37% in 21. Now it's 32. It's, it's actually lowering. Uh, 32% of people consider the church as a legitimate and an honest voice. Uh, I guess every headline about a disgraced minister or financial scandal kind of adds fuel to that fire there's a lot of church hurt videos going around and a lot of stories are coming out so trust is kind of going down in in churches the institution that has the lowest trust rating uh in june of this year any idea who that might be just look at the very bottom of that one um congress 
Okay, no offense to anyone who's in Congress. Keep going. We need you to do something. So 8%. 8%. That's pretty, pretty dismal. And I know some of you are out there going, yeah, but Gallup did that, Paul. I don't trust Gallup. <laughs> I mean, really, none of us are immune from, from any type of, you know, uh, difficulties, whether it's an institution or people. We all make mistakes. We all have issues. But it's funny that, that when it comes to trust, this statement still holds very true. Trust is gained like a thermostat and lost like a light switch. It takes a while to gain trust. Not very long to lose it. The church that I worked at for so long in Houston, uh, Southeast Church of Christ, were, was, uh, had a moment that I wanted to share. And this was in early 2000s. Uh, they'd been talking about this since the late 90s. Uh, my father-in-law was an elder there for almost 30 years. And so he was in the middle of this, and I was kind of pulled into the middle because I was on staff there. But they, they had done this church growth study, and they decided they needed to move. They were in an industrial part of Houston next to Hobby Airport. And it, you know, where there were homes at one point, now you have just industry and business and lots of shops. And, um, you know, it was just industrial area. And so they decided that uh, if they were to stay as they were, where they were, then the church would start to experience a slow decline. Uh, moving, it was not something that people wanted to do. Uh, some people were open to it, but not everybody really wanted to do it. But there was a sense that God was leading this church to move. So they did all of the studies, they did the research. I got to go in, up in a couple of planes and video some of these land areas. And by the way, that will make you sicker than anything, looking through a camera in a plane. Whew. Um, but it was, it was exciting. I, I got to go and uh, kind of have these conversations with some of our elders and our staff, but I noticed there was this sense of tension that was this underlying, you know, uh, kind of just, just fluid underneath it all. You know, the leadership, what they sensed it, and they encouraged the church just to pray. They just encouraged them to pray and to talk. And move, moving wasn't convenient for some. They decided to move 11 miles down the road, a little bit farther south, into more of a, of a neighborhood, a growing neighborhood. Uh, it wasn't convenient for some of them, but, but most of them, they chose to trust that this was where God was leading them. Some people left, and that was really difficult. Uh, some people expressed a lot of hesitation. But the leaders pressed on and they decided finally we're going to start a capital campaign. They needed $4 million, which is a lot of money. So they decided to do it. They were losing a couple of people who didn't want to go. They just didn't agree with it. But they started. So everybody together, we're going to do this. Then Tropical Storm Allison hit. I don't know if you know anything about that in 2001, but that was devastating to the city of Houston. Uh, Tropical Storm Allison hit. Uh, my father-in-law, who was one of the, the elders, had a triple bypass. So that was a really difficult thing. Some people started experiencing health issues. Uh, Enron happened, I think, that same year. Lots of people lost their pensions. They lost a lot of their income. Uh, in the midst of this, their preacher unexpectedly resigned, took another job. It just seemed like it wasn't something they were supposed to do. But they kept going. And the, the new preacher who came in said, I, it was amazing to me that a church was going through a capital campaign without a preacher. 
that shows a level of faith. And they ended up succeeding and they're still there and they've been able to do a lot of really great things for the kingdom of God in 20 years. But I will tell you at the very beginning, it was uncertain. It took a lot of trust to do what they did. You know, what kind of trust did that congregation have to have in its leaders in the midst of such difficulty to do what they did? Now, it's easy to trust when things are going really great, when the money's good, when the health is going well. It's easier to trust, but it's more difficult when things aren't so certain. You know, trust seems to be harder and harder to come by these days. It's harder to understand, and I think maybe it depends on where we're looking as far as who we are really going to be trusting. Sometimes we offer our trust willingly, I mean, how many, how many of these little uh, terms and privacy agreements have you just blindly clicked on except? Okay, how many of those things have you just agreed? How many of those have you actually read? But we trust it. Sometimes we give it freely. Sometimes it's a lot more difficult. Now, at the same time we're clicking, uh, it might take others a lot more effort to actually trust anyone or anything. Now, for some of us, uh, our lack of trust has made us cynical. We question everything, and I get it. The world's a crazy place. People get taken advantage of. We have identity theft. We have broken relationships, broken promises. I mean, really, if you're standing in front of, of you know, a woman or a man, you know, in that marriage moment and you say I do and they say I do there's some trust that has to take place there for some of us our trust is like this rare and priceless jewel that we only show to the people that are really worthy now for the next few weeks we're going to talk about trust we're going to talk about this idea of what it looks like to trust who do you trust why should we but I think it's important to distinguish something up to the very front, and that's the difference between trust and faith. Now, some people will say, well, it's all the same. Well, there's a couple of differences. In Hebrew 11.1, 1, it says this, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, the Hebrew, so the Greek is a little different, but the Hebrew word for faith and trust, those, those words are different. So the Hebrew word for faith is emuna, and I've said this years ago here. Um, I'm sure you remember. Uh, um, it says, it's basically, this is what, this is faith, the word for faith. And uh, it's defined as this constant factor in somebody's life. It's as if uh, so, it's something that we have, right? It's a belief that we perceive as a given. It's not something we can necessarily see or explain. There's not... Sometimes not anything really to back up that faith. It's a belief that guides your thinking, that guides your actions. And in, in the sense we're talking about, it's this belief that God is God. It's more than just an idea. God is God. So in this way, then, we can think of faith being this constant aspect of our life. Now, some people's faith may not be as strong as others. It may not be as deep as others they may question existence they may question you know power the power of God the providence of God you know Jesus spoke of faith several times in scripture and he always did so in the context of how much or how little one may have 
So in chapter 8 of Matthew, Jesus encounters emuna, faith. Let's, let's read it. Matthew 8, 8 through 10. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard him, he was amazed and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. This centurion had a belief that Jesus bore real power. He bore responsibility. He bore status. He didn't question it. And it was a given to this man that Jesus was a prophet of the Most High God. Jesus has this way of talking about faith as if it's the springboard for miraculous things to happen. In, in Matthew 21, a little bit later in Matthew, uh, he has this interchange with one of the apostles in this short statement, whatever you ask for in faith, you will receive. And I can't tell you how many times I've prayed this prayer, hoping I had enough faith for it to work. And many times I'm like that frantic father in Mark chapter 9, whenever he says to his son, he says, if you can heal my son, Jesus, please do it. And Jesus responds, if you are able, if you can, some of your translations say, all things can be done for those who believe. Immediately the father of the child cried out, believe, I believe, just help my unbelief. Sometimes that's me. And the key here is not to pray with your fingers crossed. It's just to pray as if your prayer has already been heard. It's a little harder to do when things aren't going so well. The prayer in faith is a, it's like a given. And so the question I have is, do you have this type of faith in God? Do you have an, even have a little bit of this type of faith in God? Do you have that type of faith in his power? Do you have that type of faith in his son, Jesus? If you do, this is imuna. This is faith. So the word for trust in Hebrew is a little different. Okay, the word for trust is bitachon, and that is trust. It's just trust. Um, it's not talked about in terms of how much or how little. Uh, trust is talked about in terms of doing or not doing. It's something you do or you don't do. It's not necessarily something you have or you don't have. Uh, where faith is a constant, trust here is something that requires an action. So in our, in our belief in Jesus, you know, trust comes through the faith that we have in God. Okay, we have this underlying faith and then we choose to trust. And because we believe, because it's a given, we're able to choose whether or not we can trust him. So Psalm 121, David is talking uh, or singing one of his most famous songs. And, and this is a great little moment. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And I've heard this song sung and spoken as if he's looking to the hills for his help. And God just happens to be there. But that's, that's not really what he's saying. Um, David's saying, I can lift up my eyes to the hills hoping for something. But what I know is that my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. David's faith in God was so deep that in this moment when he needed help, he trusted that God was going to help him. So his choice was proportionate to his faith. His choice was moved because of his faith. 
You know, David had faith because of his faith, he chose to trust. So my question is, do you choose to trust God in such ways when you are in a difficult situation? Where are you looking for help? I mean, in those moments whenever, I guess you can, you can, just, you can tell how much faith you have by how willing you are to trust. You know, do you, whenever you're in that difficult spot, is the first thought, look at my bank account? Or is it to get on your knees? Trust is a choice. Because in those moments, we're either looking to the God, to, to God, or we're looking to the hills. So here's a little video I wanted just to, to play. It's about two minutes long, but it's, it's a really interesting illustration, and we'll talk a little bit more about it once, once we're done. see trust it's not just belief trust is a hope it's a it's a choice to rely on now where faith is discussed in terms of how much or how little we have trust is something that we choose to do with the little or much faith that we have now, as we saw in the video, <laughs> I'm laughing with you in that one moment when he says, turn around, now fall back. 
oh, it might be difficult at first. But then Jesus' behavior and the things that he does, you know, it allows us to choose to trust more freely. So we do. Because we've had an experience, we'll trust a little bit more. But when we're asked to do something we may not necessarily understand, it's not so easy anymore to trust. Like when the woman in the video, we may believe in God. We may have heard his stories. We may have seen him work in the lives of others. We may have seen him work in our life. But we've still not chosen to trust him. It's always an option. Trust is, is hard and it's difficult. We don't want to give away our trust too easily because we may look naive. We don't want to give away our trust too easily to anyone because we may look a little weak. And what if that trust is broken? Then, we're, then, then we've been duped. We look like a rube, right? Somebody who's been taken advantage of. What I've learned is that trust, it comes whenever somebody proves that they are trustworthy. Which means that I think, really, something we're going to talk about in a couple weeks is, is trust is really realized through a relationship. Now, the children of Israel had this relationship with God, and they cried out to him to feed him in the desert. So that's what God did. He gave him manna. He fed him, and so they learned to trust him. In fact, they just went out because they knew the manna would be there in the middle of the desert. In fact, they trusted him so much that they were even willing to gripe about it because they knew it was coming, and they didn't like it, and so they would trust even though they're griping about it. <laughs> that's a, an interesting relationship that sometimes I experience with my own children. Their trust in God moved them to go out every morning and get more manna. Their trust was an action. It was a hope. It was a reliance. But it was something they had to choose to do. Now, Proverbs 3 that Jackson read so beautifully this morning, it encourages us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Don't rely on our own insight or understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight our paths. God is going to make straight our paths. He's going to straighten the path out in front of us. As much as we're trying on our own, we can trust that he will do that for us. How many times have we tried on our own? It's just not working. I mean, in, in essence, trust really is about relinquishing control. It's about realizing we aren't in control at all, and it's about choosing to accept it. And when we still think we can control things, we may have faith, but we aren't choosing to trust. Faith, it acts as a springboard to our relationship with God, and that relationship is where trust is developed. So if you don't really trust God, I guess the question is, what kind of relationship do you have? And I think the more of the relationship, the more you learn to trust, and in that interesting little dynamic your your trust grows and your faith is made stronger more faith there's a moment in this video whenever the woman chose not to trust she just says I'm not going to do it she'd seen even though she'd seen Jesus do the work before she'd seen it he had proven to her that he was going to catch her but you could see see she was still trying to control it she's like move over there Jesus okay move you got it catch me now I'm ready 
But when Jesus asked her to do something that she wasn't able to control or even see how it was going to play out, she said no. Do we do that? Um, as our team comes up, we're, I'm just going to finish with this. My question is, is just where are you? Have you chosen to trust God? Um, maybe you've only chosen to trust him with a few things. Maybe um, th- those areas that are too big or too scary or, or where you can't really see how it's going to play out, are you still trying to control those? Maybe you don't trust because you're a person of little faith. But I'll tell you, it doesn't take a lot of faith, as Jesus says. You just have to have a little bit. Start there. And if you don't have a lot of faith, be honest. Be like that father who says, I do believe, but just help me with my unbelief. Think through your honesty and humility. God can work with that. Even if you have so many questions and you just, you want so much to believe, you just have a little bit of belief, start there and choose to trust that God's gonna work out those details. Last question is, do you know God? Has he proven himself to be trustworthy with you? And have you chosen to trust in him, yourself, or something else? Whatever the amount of faith you may have or may not have, I encourage you, do not leave here until you make a choice to trust God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. Teach us even when we don't really want to learn, maybe we're not ready to learn, Lord, help us, help us to be open. Help us to be reminded even right now of all those times when you've come through and you've shown us the power of who you are, even if, it, even if, even if we're brand new to all of this and it's only been one or two things that you've, that, that you've shown us. Help, us. help us to visualize those right now so that we can learn to trust you. To not be anxious, but to trust that you've got this. There's so many things that we can be anxious about. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in our, in our unbelief, in the midst of our difficulties and uncertainty, help us to just choose to trust you. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. We have people all around the room who would love to talk with you. And if you need help trusting, you need someone to pray for you, this is an opportunity for that. So find somebody and let's, uh, let's stand together and sing.